guys. Welcome to Havilah's Podcast. I'm back. It's Ben Cunnington uh, doing the podcast intro. Um, I'm not doing the whole podcast uh, because today we are again going to tune in for uh, an incredible interview with Havila and Chris Valentin. Um, this was recorded earlier in the month from our online empowerment summit, which you may have tuned in for. But we're going to listen in on that conversation in just a couple minutes. So anyways, I hope you guys are all doing well, having a great new year. I can't believe January is almost over. Uh, It's flying by. It's kind of crazy. But it's been a full month around here. Um, Kids are back in school, which is always a, uh, you know, kind of a a nice thing after uh, two weeks off of Christmas and uh, getting back in the rhythm. So that's going on. We we did the uh, online empowerment summit, launched a book club. Havila's book came out. Um, Havila's started doing uh, some events again uh, after taking a little break for the holidays. So we are back in it, and um, but we're excited. We're ready for this year. Uh, we are yeah, just excited to see what God's gonna do, and just a lot of fun things coming up. So. Anyways, um, I encourage you to, um, yeah, just sit back, listen into this amazing, uh, this great conversation, uh, so much uh, wisdom, insight, as we continue our conversation around spiritual battle and spiritual warfare. So, all right, guys, here we go. Let's listen in. I'm really, really honored to have my friend and really uh, the most, one of the most pivotal and powerful leaders in my life. Chris Valentin is joining me today. Um, he is, he has been a hero that's become a friend that's really become a key voice in my life. And I love him dearly. Like I, I'm so, I love him so much. I'm really honored to have him here. So Chris, thank you for joining me for a few minutes. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. And by the way, I had the same honor for you. And I've known how since she was, I think 16. <laughs> that's right. So, and she actually worked for me for a while. So I did. That. I, I almost said that. boss. I almost slipped in boss, but I was like, ah. <laughs> that, that psychiatry help that, that you can <laughs> That's right. The drugs started working, and I'm much better. <laughs> That's right. You know what? We work together, and we still really love each other. So that tells you we are, we are the most amazing people we know. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, you know, Chris is, if you follow Chris at all, you'll know that he's an expert when it comes to defi- you know, understanding the spiritual realm and as a, as a prophet, as well as a leader. But before we get into all of his expertise and the wisdom that I really want to pull out of him, um, I want to ask you, you know, Chris, if you could live anywhere in the whole world and you could take everything you love with you, where would you live? Oh, wow. Probably somewhere around San Diego. <laughs> yeah. I love San Diego, the weather, the beach, all of that, you know? But, you know, but I would say this, you, you would have to take the blessing with you, and I do believe that God's given us a land, and my land isn't San Diego or even anywhere around there. So I think that, you know, I'd rather be in the place I'm assigned, which is definitely Reading, but it's but if God reassigned me and he's put the same blessing on me, I'm like, San Diego, baby, that's where I'd be. Now, how about you, Havila? Oh, I, I mean, I agree with you. San Diego is because you have the ocean and the city. You have the culture. It's a great place to land. 
I probably would land in Paris. Uh, partly, Paris. Because, yeah, I really like Paris, um, wow. but without my family. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> and, and being able to speak French would help too. Yeah, yes, exactly, exactly. I mean, exactly. if I can eat bread and chocolate and without, I mean, it, and it's pure, I'm good. I'm good. That's it. Yeah. Pure uh, bread <laughs> and chocolate. Okay. Yes. So, so Chris, for those people, what's that? Getting very deep here. I am. I know it is. It's probably just, too deep for the listeners. I'm thinking. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we just someone's weeping in their house right now, getting freedom from what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, for those, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> for those that don't know you, Chris, you are um, a senior leader at Bethel Church. You are really one of the founding members of the movement of Bethel. You are a prophet. You uh, started the school, the BSSM school, which is a th three year program. And it is the number one in the nation. I want to say, what's the exact term? Uh, we're, the, we're the largest uh, vocational school approved by Homeland Security in the United States. Yeah, that's in incredible. Yeah. Incredible. So you started that. And you are. Well, Bill and I started together. Let's be real. Like, if it wasn't for Bill, I'd be like six students. Still, with six students. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. It, I was a co-founder. That's true. And I love it. And you also are a best-selling author and known for your books, groundbreaking, which we'll talk more about. But um, really, you are. You know, you're very prophetic, yet you are very much, you, you lead, and you, you're not just known as a prophet, you're known as a, as a path, you really function as a pastor, as well as your strategic leader. And um, I guess the one, number one question would be, first of all, were you always in ministry, for those that don't know you, and when did you start a full-time um, ministry? Yeah, well, you know, you know, you and I have the same definition of ministry, so when I received Jesus... You know, theologically, I was in the ministry, right? So, but I think you're asking, like, as far as, like, did I get, is, did I make my living this way in, in my career as far as, so we were in business for 20 years in a little town called Weaverville. Owned nine businesses, all automotive businesses, auto parts stores, auto repair shops, remanufacturing plant. And then when we moved to Reading 20 years ago this year, we started in, quote, the full-time ministry. So, um, so actually what, what people would term full-time ministry, career ministry happened about 20 years ago at Bethel. Yeah, well said. I, I love that. Um, you are, uh, so your business, what I love about you is you've been in the workplace, meaning you've been in the workforce, owned your business, were successful in that, and now are in the somewhat of the church world, um, but you really merge both of those. It's very powerful. Were you prophetic before you were, uh, quote unquote, being paid to do ministry? You know, oh, yeah. that is. Well, I mean, you know, we were raised with Bill Johnson. I've been with Bill for, this is our uh, 40th year. So, um, I, you know, we, we, I grew up in a very prophetic culture because of Bill. And, and I was saved in the Jesus movement, which was very prophetic. So, yeah, so we've always, um, you know, we've all, I've always been in a culture where you were expected to hear God and you were expected to hear God for other people, which in simple terms is, you know, if I hear God for you, have a lot, and I tell you what he says, in just real simple terms, you know, people might be scared, I mean, afraid of the prophetic, but yeah. simply, I hear God for you, and I, and I share with you what God's saying about you. That's, that's, by that prophetic term, I've been doing this for, you know, 45 years on some level, you know. Obviously, we're all growing, so, you know, and there's, 
I feel like if I was, you know, if this was a hundred mile journey, you know, I would feel, I feel like I'm in the first 15 miles, you know, it's just as a, as a barometer, you know, there's a lot to learn in God. We could live a million lifetimes and not learn everything, you know? So we're, we're still growing dramatically. Yeah, it, it's true. I really love, you know, having worked with you, worked for you and been around you for 20, almost 20 years. I love the way your brain thinks because you are a very spiritual person, yet if you really only teach what you understand and you like, you love to break it down and allow the listener to really understand it and grab a hold of it, but you love process. You're not afraid of process. You're not afraid of people being in process. You're, you're unlike many leaders I've ever been around. You have an ability to, to not, not be thrown off by someone's process, but allow them to be in it and love them in it. It's, it's one of your, my favorite attributes of yours. Um, do you find that that's, you know, hard to be in that or you just never been afraid of the process? Well, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm a, a risk taker. I, I am a business guy. So, you know, what makes a really good entrepreneur is someone who's willing to take a risk. And then if you get it wrong, you know, I, I mean, it's kind of like what makes a great quarterback? I mean, one is you have to learn from the last interception you threw. And two is you have to forget about the last interception you threw. And I feel like business is the same way. You know, it's like uh, life is this way. Actually, life is like this. Life is unpredictable. So you, you have a plan and God's good with the plan, but you realize like the plan can and will be interrupted at any time. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes you make decisions based on the information you have. And then the next morning you wake up and the information's changed. So, you know, that's, that's all, that's how life is. And, so I, I think that I grew up in a in a world um, that was really unstable. I grew up in a family that wasn't stable, and so you know you survive by being flexible and and you know you. So I think I just I think it became a part of my personality. And Proverbs says, um, "Where there's no oxen, the manger is clean, but much increase comes with the oxen." And so that's kind of been a motto of both Bill and I, myself and our movement is that. If you want, you know, much increase, if you want, if you want, um, you know, metaphorically, if you want to make a profit, if you're in a business, you want to make a profit, then there's going to be a mess in the manger, you know? And if you, if you, you know, a lot of people, a lot of pastors, a lot of leaders are like, you know, they, they brag about how clean the manger is, you know, like we don't have problems with our people. And it's like, well, that's because you don't have anything happening. So, you know, so I was taught that if you want to really, like, grow, then your life is not going to be clean and neat and perfect. If you, and I'll tell you, the truth is, have, and we both know this, that even if you don't take risks, risk will find you. Because yeah. that's what life's about, right? But, so it's, it's about, you know, rising strong and, and, you know, when you've fallen down, getting back up and, and, uh, you know, we've been through a lot in our life. And so I think that those that's become a mentality for sure. I, I'm definitely um, probably in my small pond, I would say I'm probably one of the biggest risk takers. That's not a positive or negative, just my personality. And, uh, and I, and I, um, and I'm, I'm in a, and I'm in a, yeah, I'm amongst other leaders who are not, maybe not wanting to be, maybe they, 
want it to be a little bit more predictable. So, you know, it's a great balance for me. It is. And I love that about you. You've always taken risks. And some of those risks have been talking about topics that some people would not talk about. And even though you're kind of, you know, weeding your way through it, you're willing to at least try to have the conversation and not avoid the conversation. And one of those yeah. topics that you've been really key in our movement and really on the earth is the spirit world. And one of your top selling books is called Spirit Wars. And yeah. I'm curious, why did you write that book? And why do you think it's been, it's hit such a nerve uh, in our communities? Well, I wrote that book because it changed my life, what I learned. Hardest book I've ever written. I've written 14 books. And uh, I took that book on. Uh, I signed an agreement. As we know, we're both with publishers, and you have a deadline. They moved the deadline three times because I couldn't finish the book. Laid it on the floor of my office in this very office, we write a paragraph and spend an hour on the floor weeping. So I finally called the publisher and said, um, hey, I'm gonna give back your, your royalty advance. I cannot finish this book. And I told them what was happening with me and they said, listen, let's take off the deadline. You finish it whenever you finish it and, um, and that'll be great for us. So it took me um, a year over a year to write that book, which is the double length of time it take me to write a book. And uh, my, my heart was to help people who've been through the same thing. Yeah. And you can see it just draws motion, just thinking about, I mean, every single day, uh, I was just checking my uh, Facebook today, a few minutes ago, my private Facebook messages every single day. Oh, there might be some days in between that I don't, but... I get probably four or 500 people a, a year tell me that book changed my life. I read your book and it told me I wasn't crazy, that there really is a spirit world. And it taught me how, how to navigate that world. And so that, you know, my best selling book is my first book because it's been out so long, but my best currently selling book is, is Spirit Wars and, I think, it, I think it's helped a lot of people understand that they're not crazy. I agree. And I, I hear that often. In fact, your, that book, when I travel, most people, I, it's brought up that specific book that's changed their ideas or their life. Um, and it's been a really, it continues to be a really powerful tool. Um, you know, it is, uh, it's a, I think those that are going to be aware of the spirit world oftentimes feel crazy. They feel like they're losing their mind. And, and I find that anxiety and depression, not, not intentionally, but why do you think it partners oftentimes with a prophetic or have some kind of opening the spirit world? Because it feels like oftentimes, even in my own life, some of the things I battled feel personal towards me being a prophetic person. And why is that? Why do people struggle with that? Well, let me say there's two kinds of people in the world. Those who um, are sensitive to warfare and those who are victims of it. Wow. Well and said. So, you know, uh, and I'll say that there's a lot of people, you know what deceive means? It means you don't know that you don't know. And so a lot of people walk blindly through a spirit world. They're totally being influenced. The world every day, Ephesians 2 tells us that literally, if you don't know Jesus, that literally you are a puppet to the invisible man. You are a puppet of the invisible man. Now, you don't know it. I mean, most people would say, would say, 
well, I don't even believe in the devil. Well, that that's that that's really helpful for him, you know. So I would say that. Um, so I would say prophetic people are more aware of what's happening in the spirit world because they typically has eyes to see and ears to hear, yeah. and so they typically are more sensitive to the battle that's going on around them. Let me answer a question you sort of asked in the in the uh, in your statement. Fear is faith in the wrong God. So let me just explain to you. I know you know this, but for our listeners. Yeah. So the entire spirit world, be it the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness, works by faith. So faith, when I have faith in God, I have love, joy, peace, patience. It's the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5. But fear means I have faith in the wrong world. And, and every time, think about it this way. If you said... If, you know, if a three-year-old boy said to me, I'm going to kill you, and I would be like, whatever. I wouldn't be afraid because I don't believe he can do that. If a 17-year-old boy with a gun came in the room and said, I'm going to kill you, and, it, and I felt fear, it means I believe that he's going to do that. When I believe it, I actually empower the spirit that that wants to harm me. So, so fear is a really interesting thing. Uh, you know, when I, whatever, if fear is like, you know, and we can add other things to it, like bitterness, hatred, unforgiveness, uh, sexual sin. These things are like, they're like, you know, if you think about magnets and you think about, you can turn magnets both north and they dis detract, right? They push away. But I can spin the magnet around and this to, and to the south and north, and all of a sudden they attract, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like there's an invisible force there. I can't see it, but if I have to, if I'm holding them in my hands, it attracts. Fear, unforgiveness, hate, you know, all of those things, they actually attract spirits. Come on. They actually attract them. And so then, it's, then it creates an ecosystem, right? Because I got afraid, I attracted a spirit. A real spirit, and spirit's just a, a person in another realm who hates me. I, I attracted the spirit. That spirit intensified my battle. It's it, it's telling me, yeah, what you what you believe is true. You know, you're gonna die. Something terrible is gonna happen to you. And now I get more afraid, and it's a it's a mad circle. I can't get off it. I may have started with fear, or I may have started with the spirit. Like the spirit may have whispered in my ear, you know, your son's gonna die. And I'm like, okay, I could go like the two-year-old boy, whatever, get away from me. Or I could go, oh my goodness, my son's going to die. What I just did is I just empowered a spirit that Jesus disempowered on the cross. Because Jesus said, when he, when, he, when, he came, when he rose from the dead, Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me. That means the devil has none. And then he said, I've given all authority to the church, which means you have all. The devil has power little power because he said jesus said i'm going to give you power over all the power of the enemy but he has no authority so the only way he gets authority is if i give it to him yeah and i give it to him when i fear him does that make sense yes i, I actually love that idea he, he has power but he has no authority and the only time he gets empowered is when we actually believe him agree with him and then he gets the authority to act in our life or on behalf of us because we're the only ones giving authority. I think that's we really just deputized him. We yeah. deputized him. We gave him authority he doesn't have. 
Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's brilliant. And we all do it. Let's face it. It's not like those dumb Christians or those that ignorant world. It's like we all do it. We all do it. And then we get in this cycle where I'm depressed, I'm afraid, I'm, I'm anxious, I can't sleep. And, you know, and, I, and I, if I do that for very long, I can't even remember what the thought I had was because I haven't lived in peace for 14 years, you know. But if I live in peace every day, then let's say, I, let's say at, at 2 o'clock today I have anxiety. I stop and I go, okay, how was I doing when I woke up? Oh, I felt good this morning. Okay, lunchtime. I was good at lunch. At, oh, oh, at 1 o'clock I had a conversation with a friend. And when they left, I had that thing. You know, I could catch that disease. And I realized right there, the enemy began to speak into my mind. I picked up that thought. It wasn't even, didn't stay in the conscious level of my mind, but it went below into my spirit. And I didn't, I didn't deal with it. I walked away without saying, no, 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 that, that's not going to happen to me. And so, but if I live in peace, then I can go, yeah, that was that one o'clock connection I had with a friend who, didn't even realize it, but put a thought in my mind I shouldn't have had. And I can deal with it right there and move on in peace. But if I, if I haven't had peace for a long time, I have to, you know, I have to find some zero point. Yeah, it's almost like baseline to find out when things disengage, something happened. It is interesting. It does take self-awareness and almost spiritual awareness to go, wait a minute, I didn't wake up with this. I, I know when that moment happened. I think that's where people miss that moment. They assume that they've always felt this way or they fly off the handle or they get angry or they get anxious or they medicate or, or, or whatever because they don't take the time for a few minutes to say, when did, I, when did I go off base? When did I stop believing? When did I have fear? So that's key. I love that. Love that. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, you know, there's a fine line between being self-absorbed and self-aware. And I think prophetic people have to watch it really carefully because I can like, I can get self-absorbed really easy. And I don't mean it in a selfish way. Like all I care about is me. I'm not talking about that. And probably that can happen too. But like I can have a problem in my body and I can think about it and think about it and think about it and think about it until that, that problem I have becomes a mountain. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I have to realize like, my ability to be self-aware can really move over into being self-absorbed, you know? So we have to, it is, it is a tension, you know, we have to live in tension intentionally, right? Love that. Cause the enemy would love nothing more than to make us the focus, whether it's him or us, it's still not God. And ultimately yeah. the, the, the king of our world. So I, I really love that. And I agree with that. I think an unhealthy person what is dominated by their feelings or, you know, by emotions or people think of them. But as we start to unpack that, we begin to partner with truth, which I think is, is really core to the culture at Bethel, the leadership of Bethel. Like the things I've learned even in the last five years of being there is just the, the power of partnering with truth, identifying where it went off. And one thing I remember we had this conversation when I first got to Bethel and I love you because I was preaching something and you're like, Hey, can I talk to you? I'm like, okay, we can talk. And so you met me in the parking lot and you're like, Hey, and it's not like you didn't meet me. We were leaving a meeting, but you said, Hey, I don't really believe what you said. I mean, I love you, but I don't really believe. And I, I've never had, you know, had people challenge me on, you know, certain things, but, and you just said, 
Listen, we are not sinners. God doesn't talk to us as sinners. We are saints. And he's always reminding us of who we are. And it was an epiphany. I had never heard that said. And I didn't realize that a lot of leaders were talking to their communities as if they were sinners needing to get it right. That was yeah. huge. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that idea? No, this is my favorite part of my Spirit Wars book. And I feel like it's probably a point that I make that, you know, I've read a lot of warfare books, of course, because I've had personal problems. So, but, you know, the, the deal is, is that we are not, when we receive Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. The old man dies, the new man's alive. That's Romans 6. You know, everyone should read it. And my old man is dead. So I'm no longer in a war with my old man. Here's the challenge. The way I was brought up in the Jesus movement, I was taught there was a black dog and a white dog in me. The black dog was my old man. The white dog was the new man. And whatever dog I fed, that was the dog that ruled my life. Yep. It's actually a really great metaphor. And there is some, there's a level of truth there, of course, you know. But, but the theology was bad because the black dog is dead in me. And only the white dog's alive. So the challenge is, is that if I believe, as a, as a Christian, if I believe I'm in a war with the old man, I actually spend my whole life in a war I can't win because I haven't even engaged the right enemy. You know, Ephesians 6, for instance, says, um, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That's Ephesians chapter 6. Um, it, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Mm-hmm but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And it names three fortresses, thoughts, speculations, and lofty things. So the point is, and you know, you, we know this now, but the point is, is that a lot of people spend their entire life fighting their old man, and the devil laughs all the way to the double bank because he gives me a thought, accuses me of having it, and then laughs while I fight a, I fight a battle against a dead man who is, it's kind of like setting, you know, setting the, the barn on fire and robbing the bank. It's like, I can't win because I haven't engaged the right enemy. Yeah. And so I learned that a lot of spiritual warfare, a lot of, a lot of, sometimes the reason why people are always in spiritual warfare, and by the way, in seasons is normal, a lifestyle of warfare is not. Yeah. I'm living a lifestyle of, of warfare which I hear a lot of, like, I've had this for 20 years. It's like, well, having 20 years of like, yeah, I, 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 20 years on and off, I have warfare. That's normal. 20 years, I live in warfare every day. I'm like, no, something's wrong. And it typically is your belief system, right? Because John 8.32, you'll know the truth, which you're big on this, yep. and the truth will make you free. If I'm fighting my old man, I cannot win. No. I have not engaged the right enemy. And I actually have no weapons for that enemy, except for baptism, right? Baptism is the only weapon I have against the old man. That's a great point. I've not thought about that. That's a uh-huh. great point. Baptism, which is identifying with the new man. Exactly. Yep. It is so key. I think that's, it makes total sense. If you don't have any weapons, you don't have any power, you are... You're fighting something that Christ came and said, your old man has passed away. You're a new man. You're a new creation. You have a new heart. You have a new mind. Live in that reality. And, and when you talk about yes. this, you've heard you preach it, Christ came to convict the world of sin, but the, but the believer of righteousness, you are yes. right standing with Christ and you have all you need. So 
I think that's so foundational. I don't think we could hear it enough. And every time you, you articulate it, I'm like, yes, I, that was such a, a, I feel like a missing key in my theology growing up in the charismatic movement and spiritual movement. I missed that reality. And once, once you know, oh, I'm a new creation. I have the tools I need. Man, you live a lot different. You go, oh, that's, that's a stupid lie. That's not who I am anymore versus is there something wrong with me and I didn't get it all right. Yeah. Totally different world. Yes. And, we, and we get exhausted. That man's, that man's dead. That man's he called dead. the wrong number. Sorry, wrong number. <laughs> that man used to live here, but he's, he's since moved out. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. You know, um, I love your thoughts. I feel like some of the stuff we're unpacking there are people that are watching this. They need to go buy Spirit Wars. You need to read it. You need to absorb it. Um, we, I think what you mentioned was that people are, some people are working too hard for what Christ already came to give them. And you're not just exhausting yourself. You're exhausting all of us. <laughs> you're not winning. And you're not winning. You're not winning. You're not winning. Yeah. No, it's, you're yeah. exactly right. It's really powerful. You know, another thing that they can really do if you're interested in this and you like, you know, kind of the conversations we're having there are two things that you really give the world, and, and they're kind of on ramps. And one is the School of Prophets. Every summer, you can come to Reading and partner with Chris and his team um, and learn as a school. It's every day. You get in groups. You learn. You They take you from the beginning to what they know now, and they just, you guys unpack it. It's huge. So those that are wondering, like, oh, I want to know about the prophetic, you need to consider investing a week of your life. It's a very small investment to learn. Some of you are, are actually the gift of the, of the prophet, but you're not operating in it because you don't actually have, you know, you have the gift, but you don't have the authority and you don't have the permission to operate in your own world because your leaders don't even know who you are and you haven't submitted to them. So that's part of it. Secondly, we have, this, we have a, an actual prophetic conference that happens in February. I'll be at that this year. But you have different key prophetic people that come and it, we sell out, we pack it out, but we spend three days just going after this idea of the prophetic. You also have Bethel, the music that's there, the prayer ministry, the prophetic ministry. So I know I'm kind of like saying all this, but I want to make sure that some people are like, how do I, I'm going to email Chris. Don't email Chris. Show up at an event, right? Don't inbox me if this means something to you. Get to an event where you can get prayed for and get some stuff. So that's my little spiel. The prophetic conference that we're doing this February. Is it February? Yeah. It is. Yeah, end of February. Really unique because we decided to do a prophetic equipping conference. A prophetic equipping conference. So okay. During the day, we'll actually be training people who have, like, they, they've never moved or they've seldom moved or they'd like to grow in the gift of prophecy. And so during the day, we're actually going to take you in, entirely through the prophetic manual in three days, which is going to be, it's going to be a, you know, you're going to have to it's going to be a run. And then at night, it's going to be inspiring preaching on, on prophetic ministry. You're going to be one of our main speakers. Sure. So that's going to be exciting. Yeah. Thanks I'm for afraid, that. I'm going to sit through that. I mean, that is, that's the gold. That's the gold of, you know, 20 years on staff, but also all your life of the prophetic. I, uh, you know, we all need a tune-up. We need a reboot. We need to not just think we know or remember, but we got to get in there and, and learn the whole thing from scratch and go, oh, that's what it is again. That's why I'm living the way I am. One thing you also have such a gift in, Chris, is that you really have a heart for government and leaders in the political realm. Um, I know we can't talk fully about that, but I know that you like, you really do regularly go to Washington and meet with leaders. Um, yeah. It's very exciting. Is there anything you can share about that? I know a lot of it's confidential. But. Well, what we do is, you know, I mean, 
yeah, we're in D.C. four, five, six times a year. We actually have a house there in D.C. And we also, you know, it, um, a lot in England and, and some in Russia and some in Brazil. And basically what we're doing there is just pretty simple, really. We're just speaking to um, political leaders about their destiny. And, and also, you know, like I in particular have a strategic gift because of my business background. So it's kind of, we call it sporadities, like spirit-led strategies. <laughs> so awesome. we're, um, we're just helping. I mean, the goal is to disciple nations. And that, in, me, in my mind, simply means, you know, do what you can to help the leaders that God's put in, in place, the Romans 13 leaders, to actually help uh, to find God's destiny for their city, country, you know, state, whatever, whatever position they're in and, and give them some wisdom on how to move forward in, in bringing, uh, uh, peace and, uh, and prosperity to their, you know, whether they're Christians or not. So, you know, we minister to a lot of people who aren't believers. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously they need it the most and we're, our ministry isn't leading them to Christ, quote, leading them to Christ. Our ministry is more just bringing the, uh, the felt kingdom in felt ways uh, and giving them some direction. And so we see a lot of really cool stuff happen. I mean, my favorite stories are ones I can't tell, you know, because God just moves on people who don't know him in, in beautiful and wonderful ways. Yeah. And he heals them. He delivers them. And, uh, and, he, uh, and he guides them. And I think of it a lot like, uh, you know, we, 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 on some levels, we have partnerships like Joseph uh, Pharaoh kind of relationships, Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar kind of relationships. And then some of them are a lot less, you know, strategic than more just encouraging. But yeah, it's been really fun and, and God's moving all over the world. It's really amazing. I mean, I've got had the privilege of sitting and hearing some, some things. And, you know, there are people that are watching today that have such a heart for the political realm. They really want to see leaders from different nations, but specifically in America, reach. And, you know, one thing that they can do is they can partner with you. They can partner you with you financially. I mean, you have a ministry called KV Ministries, and they can reach out and they can donate. And all of those funds will go to sending you there to reach our politicians with the word of God, not preaching at them or evangelizing, but encouraging them, strengthening them, and, and hopefully beginning a conversation about the spirit world within their lives. So... I really would love to challenge those that are watching this to partner with you and Kathy and your team and your ministry to get, you know, to continue to fund that movement of getting you there as well as get on your newsletter so they can find out what's happening and where you're going. You're one of my favorite people. You, you are, if you got to follow Chris on social media, because you're going to have a good conversation no matter what. And, um, you know, Chris is on there. You're right. A conversation, not necessarily good. <laughs> A good a conversation, but you're on there and you're having conversations as well as you speak consistently at, at Bethel. So, you know, you're, you are there regularly on a Sunday. They can catch on podcast, Bethel, the podcast is in, a, in any of those areas. Um, but I want to ask you before we close, what are you most excited about for 2018? Are you writing a book? Do you have an event? What, what's going on? What are you thinking about? Well, lots of that. All of that's true. Writing a book, writing a book about family right now. And yes. Jordan. So that's going to be fun. Never wrote a family book, so that's it's. Uh, that is awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, we're starting a tech school, which launches in January. And we um, we wanted to start with 30 students called Bethel Technology, and we got 1,100 applicants. <laughs> um, uh, 
inquiries, not applicants, inquiries uh, in four days. So <laughs> definitely it's going to be cool. We're going to combine. This is, you're going to love this. We're going to combine technology and teaching people, you know, how to, how to code basically like a coder school, you know, in five different languages. And, and at the same time, take them through some of the core uh, things that we teach in the school of ministry. So we're, we're homogenizing the school of ministry with the, the school of technology and we're going to raise up technical uh, digital revivalists that we actually release into, you know, the, into the corporations to bring, you know, honor and wholeness and, and integrity and honesty and also ingenuity, you know, vision, uh, dreams. And so I, I think it's, we're super excited about it. We're super excited about it. So I'd say that's the one thing. And we're believing that the Lord's uh, raising up a university too. So I know all these things are happening. It's very fun. You know, Chris, I love you so much. I, I, any, I mean, just the little bit of time I have with you, I always get encouraged. And um, you are, I just believe, a father to this generation. Everything that you, you, you have fought for is so evident, and it's such a gift to us. It's really gold. And I, I think you're leaving so much for this, like, like a pathway that people can follow that can be so free and so powerful. So I thank you for your time. I love you so much. I respect you. You have my utmost respect. And um, I look forward to seeing you very shortly because I live in your world. Yes, you too. Thank you for your time. All right. Wow, what a great conversation. We love and appreciate uh, Chris Valentin so much. And uh, just he's always just brilliant to listen to. So, um, yeah, just thanks so much for tuning in. And if you are interested in the prophetic conference that they talked about uh, back in that interview, uh, that's coming up. It's here in Redding, California, February 21st through the 23rd. So if you're in the area, if you want to come check it out, I'd encourage you to uh, look that up. You can find it on uh, Havel's website, actually, um, or Bethel.com. And you can register for that, or uh, I believe it will be streamed as well. So anyways, I encourage you, uh, tune in for that. Uh, if you're going to be in the Portland, Oregon area, or the Anaheim, California area, how is going to be with uh, in both those places uh, coming up here real soon, uh, beginning, of, uh, beginning of February. Uh, let me look here. It's the 2nd, February 2nd uh, and 3rd. Uh, she's in Portland. Excuse me, just a second. <laughs> I can read. And the uh, third and fourth in Anaheim. So, um, going to be at City Bible in Portland. And then um, at the Influencers Church, uh, Orange County, I believe. Uh, women's Conference. So, super uh, excited about that. Also, if you have been trying to get a copy of Stronger Than the Struggle, Havla's new book, we now have them on Havla's website. HavilahCunnington.com in the store so if you can't get it um, or if you um, are seeing the two to four weeks uh, shipping estimate on Amazon um, you can get it sooner than that through HavilahCunnington.com however we can only ship to the US right now so we do apologize for that um, okay that's all we got for now again thank you guys so much for tuning in we always appreciate you sharing a bit of your day with us and um, again we look forward to meeting you one day and uh, saying hi to you wherever you are at in the world so 
All right, have a wonderful day, and we will see you next time.